Animal mutilation is a subject that will make the average person, UFO buff or not, cringe a little. They are more sinister than predatory, a phenomenon of precision, stealth, and secrecy, bundled together with conspiracies concerning sinister agendas, black helicopters, and alien hybrid programs. Its maw has truly never let go of the prey. The phenomenon's origins can be traced back to a horse named Lady. She was one of Nellie Lewis's prized Appaloosa horses, and on the morning of September 27, 1967, in the San Luis Valley of Colorado, Lady's caretaker, Harry King, became concerned when the horse hadn't come to the fence for water and her usual treat. She was a creature of habit, so the caretaker set out immediately to find her. It wasn't long before Lady's body was found laying on its side. Her head was stripped of flesh almost entirely, and a foul acetone-like odor lingered around the body. The portions that were stripped away looked to be cut with some form of precision, ruling out coyotes or other scavengers. Her tracks extended approximately 100 feet away from where her body was found, and yet there were no additional tracks in her corral that would show signs of foul play. The menacing odor lingered for days as Lady's body remained undisturbed until a necropsy could be performed. During that time, the body didn't bloat like it normally would, and scavenger birds avoided the carcass altogether. Aside from the horse's peculiar death, there was a host of other strange factors to the case. Nearby, investigators noted 15 strange circular burns on the ground that some believed to be exhaust marks. 300 feet north from the carcass, a number of bushes within a 10-foot radius were flattened. Six indentations were noted alongside the flattened bushes, two inches wide, six inches deep. Together they formed a circle with a 10-foot radius. Those who've investigated the case have proposed a number of strange theories. Sheriff Ben Phillips suggested that the horse had been struck by lightning, while another researcher suggested that the horse tripped and fell while its face was consumed by cannibal ants. However, both explanations failed to explain the results during the necropsy. It wasn't long after this incident that Nellie Lewis renamed her prize horse Snippy, and the UFO connection to the case would come from a surprising place. Days after the Snippy mutilation, Dr. John Altschuler was arrested near the Great Sand Dunes National Park, claiming to be on the hunt for UFOs. The police recognized the name, and when he identified his area of expertise in blood coagulation, was asked to examine the horse, and what he found was horrifying. The heart, lungs, brain, thyroid, and abdominal organs were all missing. The edges of the skin where the animal was cut were black, as if they had been burned. But the most startling fact, one repeated in countless reports across the world, is that there was no blood inside the animal. There was no blood on the ground. Hell, there was no dried blood on the animal's body anywhere. The number of cattle mutilations has risen ever since. Their mythos has evolved to include an alien presence whose sole interest is in studying this planet. It was a woman named Judy Doherty, 
who helped to fuse the shape of the alien with cattle mutilations. In Alta Loma, Texas, Judy, along with her daughter Cindy, mother, and sister-in-law were returning from a bingo game in Houston. They witnessed a strange light in the sky and before long pulled their vehicle over to get a better look at the mysterious object. They all stood and watched the object until it disappeared out of sight. Shortly after their sighting, Judy began to suffer from migraine-like headaches and anxiety. She bounced around from doctor to doctor who dismissed all of her symptoms until she was finally referred to UFO abduction researcher R. Leo Sprinkle. Under hypnosis, Judy revealed that she had been abducted and taken on board the UFO alongside her daughter Cindy and a cow that was mutilated by strange machines. She described feeling like she was in two places at once, an out-of-body experience that would haunt her for a lifetime. Thirty years later, Judy shared her story with the world. She sought empathy and help through a blog post. One of the most peculiar cases of animal abduction comes from Washington State. In the shadow of Mount St. Helens, a group of 14 forestry workers were seeding trees. It was February 25, 1999. The hillsides were soggy green under overcast skies. 280 feet below, a group of elk, scattered in the surrounding valley, grazed on damp grass. Just before noon that day, a small UFO emerged from the cloud cover. It looked like a pill, gray in color. On the right and left sides of the object, light flashed from rectangular-shaped areas. The intermittent flashes were a magenta color on one side and white on the other. The strange object seemed to wobble like a top, but flew calmly into the valley, aware of all its surroundings. It silently wobbled toward the collective elk, who seemed unbothered until the object was nearly on top of them. It was first sighted by three of the forestry crew. They called their co-workers over to see what they were. The UFO didn't seem to regard the forestry workers at all, and the elk formed a tight pack and fled the area together, except for one, which had been singled out. The UFO turned its focus to the lone stranded elk. The stunned group of workers watched as the animal slowly lifted into the air. The UFO wobbled more noticeably with every foot the animal lifted into the air. It appeared to grow larger and larger as the elk drew closer to its base. Fear gripped the entire valley. The men had never seen anything like this before, and the elk appeared to rotate within its invisible barriers. The object veered toward a cluster of trees nearby, caught in a slow climb. Some of the witnesses claimed that the object brushed against the treetops. By this time, it was starting to circle back around. Half of the elk's body was inside, and before long, it had been entirely consumed. It continued to climb, passing through the clouds, never to be seen again. Unease gripped the hillside. 
like a hand removing its victims from a chessboard and placing them in small groups. The men, like elk, huddled together for the remainder of the workday, instincts of imitation. The fear set in again at the start of every workday. The fear of the event, the fear of ridicule, the fear of losing their jobs. They remained silent on the matter, until their employer noticed how uneasy the men were. It took some coaxing, but they ultimately told their story. On March 1st, the sighting was reported by phone to the National UFO Reporting Center, who then referred the case to the Washington chapter of MUFON. Investigators Peter Davenport and Robert Fairfax were on the scene the next day. The body of a pregnant elk was discovered several miles from where the incident took place. It displayed no visible injuries of any kind, and Davidport would go on to state that it was healthy, albeit dead, as if the animal had just dropped dead where it stood. Even stranger, all potential scavengers left the carcass undisturbed. Davenport and Fairfax both noted how scared the men still were. Every seed planted in the shadow of the sighting was an exercise in swiftness and accuracy. They moved with a herd-like mentality, never straying far from one another. We only know one of their names, and even then it's not a full name. It simply states in one photograph the name Augustine. In it, a man points to an empty field. He's wearing a white cap. He appears to have black hair, though it's hard to tell through the grayscale. What he's really pointing to is a set of remains. Fourteen ghosts that wander the hillside, searching for the life they had before. Something normal, before a pill-shaped cloud jarred them from their bodies. No one is quite sure what the men witnessed that day. The border between our world and theirs offers few clues and zero explanations, but one of the workers had an interesting theory. He believed what they witnessed that day was the feeding habits of a prehistoric animal of some kind, unknown to man and yet known at the same time. An unknown terror that forced a herd of elk and a group of men to huddle a little closer under a February overcast day. This episode was written and recorded by me. Thanks so much for listening. Our theme song was composed by Big Cats, with additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. And our logo and web design is by the great Desdemona. And finally, don't forget to look up, because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies, or in the shadow of Mount St. Helens. In Grey We Trust. <laughs>